Thanks so much to Michelle Wilkins for reading this week's gospel. So how long do certain things last? How long does a soft serve ice cream cone last on a hot day? I had one this summer. It was dripping already when they gave it to me. How about a hot water heater? In our house, I think we might have to change plumbers. They seem to last about two months longer than the warranty. How about a boat hoist? So the story on this is, is our, our family has this lake place on Big Cedar up by West Bend. And uh, it's been in the family for a couple generations. And when I was little and growing up, we had this wet well boathouse, one of those ones where you could drive your boat right into it. Uh, it was built in the last century, not the 1900s, the late 1800s. So finally, my parents tore it down, I think in like 1975, and we just got a boat hoist. And at that time, like my dad, my brother-in-law, Ken, my brother, Bob, and I, we were like as strong as we were ever going to be. We could barely get that thing in and out. It was so heavy. It lasted 20 years. Then we, so then we replaced that in 95. That one's lasted until now. And we finally just replaced it. It was still going. But when you have to crank up this boat by hand, we're at the other end of the age spectrum now. We're losing strength. We decided we need a little help. So we, we got one of those ones that has the little electric motor that helps lift it up and down. We'll see how long this one lasts. How long do certain things last in life? So speaking of this boat hoist we just got, uh, we've had it for about five weeks at this point. We've probably used it five times, and it got stuck. And so we called the people that, that installed the hoist. They're also the people who have pick up our boat. And they said, well, we'll pick up your boat, and we'll check out the hoist. So now, if, if you're watching this uh, online or at the in-person services, you see a picture of how they resolve the stuck boat hoist. They just cut the cable. That's the type of thing I would do. I didn't expect that professionals would resolve the problem by just cutting the cable so that the boat would drop back down into the water. But that's what they did, and actually what they said, they'll come back next week when the hoist itself is out of the water, and they'll repair it when it's, when it's on the ground. So the, the place that does this, I've known them since I was a little kid. It's a multi-generational boat business up around West Bend. And the thing about them is they, they are hilarious. But uh, they're, they're also super serious about their business. Like you call them 4.50 on Wednesday for a boat repair, they're there, they're there at like 9, 10, Thursday morning to do it. They, they somehow have the mix of serious and fun together uh, at the same time. They'll probably be in business for a while to come, uh, especially if they get our cable repaired. Serious? and fun. How do those things go together? Our confirmation kids, I think, know this. We've talked about this with them for decades at this point. Uh, our little credo in confirmation is when we work hard, we work hard. When we play hard, we play hard. Um, confirmation is about really serious stuff. It's about life and death stuff. It's about the stuff that, that catches you when you fall. It's about the stuff that gives you purpose and direction in life. Uh, it's all really important stuff, serious business. But, you know, you got to have some fun, right? So we play games. We just relax and spend some time getting to know each other and, and building some sense of connection over time. And we do that across, you know, multiple school districts, uh, which is, is both hard and fun. And, and they get that, and that's a blessing for them, and I think for the adults who work with them as well in small groups. Uh, when you work hard, you work hard. When you play hard, you play hard. You can have some serious fun as a follower of Jesus. This gets us now to today's gospel lesson. So 
The context of today's gospel lesson is uh, all of the gospels have particular themes. And one of Mark's themes is that the people who knew Jesus best, the disciples, frequently misunderstood his teachings. And I think Mark has that theme because he intends it both as a comfort to us. In other words, if the people who knew him best didn't always get it, you shouldn't feel too bad when you make a mistake. But he also intends it as a challenge, kind of the same thing. If the people who knew him best didn't get it, you shouldn't be overconfident that it's going to be a snap. You're probably going to have to work at it a little yourself. And so that theme is there to both comfort us in our mistakes and challenge us in, in our ambivalence or in our, in our at times, uh, laziness in matters of faith. It's a really powerful theme. And, and it's, nowhere is it clearer than in the very center of the gospel because in chapters 8, 9, and 10, in three successive chapters, Jesus says to his disciples, I'm going to suffer and die and rise on the third day. And each time he says it, they don't get it. In chapter 8, he says it, and Peter immediately takes him aside and says, Lord, this will never happen to you. And, and, and then Jesus says to the whole group, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking in, in human ways, not divine ways. Chapter 9, Jesus says it again. He raises the stakes a little bit and says, I'm going to be betrayed, and I'm going to suffer and die, and then rise on the third day. The disciples don't say anything, but then they argue about which of them is the greatest, and Jesus has to teach them it's not about being the greatest, it's about being a servant. And then chapter 10, today's gospel lesson. In the three verses immediately before what Michelle read, uh, Jesus again says in, in the starkest description that he's going to suffer and be mocked and spat upon and turned over to the Gentiles and unduly judged and killed, and on the third day he'll rise again. And immediately after that, James and John come to him with their request. Can we sit on your right and your left when you come into your kingdom? What gives with a request like that? Now, Mark also wants us to know that the disciples aren't like complete idiots. If Jesus had just gotten done pouring out his soul, I'm going to have to suffer and die. And the first thing James and John ask him is, like, can we be in your glory when you get there? Uh, you know, uh, they'd be looking really bad. But Mark signals to us that they didn't immediately ask that question of him. And how do we know that? Because the word immediately isn't there. Mark uses the word immediately as one of his sub-themes. He uses it 42 times in his gospel to connect stories together and to convey a sense of the urgency and intensity of Jesus' ministry. But here, between verses 34 and 35, you, you don't see the word immediately. In other words, there's some lapse of time between when Jesus makes this prediction and when James and John come to them, him with their request. What Jesus has done is lay something really serious on the disciples. They still don't fully comprehend it. And now when James and John come to him, I imagine that Jesus is actually having a little fun with this. Think of how the sequence goes. But first, a question, how many of you are teachers? I think the answer is probably most of you. In other words, some of you are professional school teachers. Some of you probably at work are trainers or mentors to other people. Uh, I'm sure lots of you who are watching have maybe taught in Sunday school here or have led a confirmation small group. In other words, most people at some point are a teacher. When you've been a teacher, and some student comes up to you and says to you, teacher, grant to me whatever I ask of you. 
Is that like a little red flag moment? I hope it is, because you're sitting there thinking, what are they about to ask me? So Jesus kind of apparently has that moment, and he says back to them, what is it you would like me to do for you? And that's when they come out to, with it. We want to sit on your right hand and on your left, the places of honor and glory in a kingdom. Uh, we want to sit there when you come into your glory. What does Jesus say to that? What does Jesus usually say to kind of crazy questions in the Gospels? He asks a question back. And he says to them, are you able to, to, to drink the cup that I'm going to drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? Cups, by the way, in this context are a symbol of suffering. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus asks to not to have to drink of the cup that it would pass him by. The baptism here is a reference to, to fire and, and end times. Uh, or death. And so Jesus is saying, are, are, are you willing to, to suffer and die as I'm going to have to? And the disciples say to him, yes, we're going to be able to. And now Jesus has kind of set a little trap for them because he, he kind of knew where this is going. And so having, having had them say, yeah, we can do that, Jesus, then what's the last thing he says to them? Uh, kind of, well, that's nice, but it's not mine to grant. <laughs> And so he lets the disciples doubt a little gently and says, you know, God gets to be God. My self-identity, and you, you heard it when it was read, he, he always talks in terms of being the son of man. Uh, it's, it's not so much that Jesus is here to reveal the divine to us, because at some level the divine is love, and, and it is beyond image or expression. Jesus is here to be the son of man, which means the fully human one. He's here to show us the best of who we can and should be. It's serious business. But it doesn't mean you can't have a little fun with it. Jesus says back to his disciples, hey, not mine to grant. And I think perhaps they got his point. But if they didn't, then he goes on to once again explain, if, if you aren't a servant... You don't get it. If you're not willing to be last, you haven't gotten there yet. This is who I am. It's who I'm teaching you to be. It was some serious stuff. But I think he knew how to have a little fun with it as well. Um, here we are all these years later. It's still tough for us. Both of those things are, are really tough for us. Um, serious fun. Serving, for example, when, when Jesus taught about being a servant, he did that in a world where most people were servants. You know, most people were, in a sense, sharecroppers in, in the sense that their taxes and, and, and land many times was owned by others or went to others. Uh, they may not have liked it, but they got the concept of, of serving. We live in a time, however, where, where we have freedoms and, and, and rights, and that's awesome and good, but as a result, we, we therefore, when, our, when we're challenged to, to make a common sacrifice or to not get our way or to, to serve someone else, we're not very good at that right now. We protest. We, we want our way. We have our little snits when we don't get our way. Um, we still struggle to be servants in our world. And I think we struggle to laugh, honestly. I think during the pandemic, people really missed fun things, going out, going to a concert or something. And, and, and that's true. But, but I think the fun that we're missing more than the kind of going out thing is that, that we, we miss the fun. And this isn't just a COVID thing. This is who we've kind of become as a culture. We, we take ourselves really seriously. We, we don't have as many 
uh, intimate or communal connections as we've had historically. And, and so there aren't as many places where we're ourselves and where we can poke fun at ourselves and poke a little fun at each other. And we can just laugh about that because we're not threatened by it. We can actually have fun with it. Um, uh, that happens less and less, it seems, in our world. Our task always is to take these great stories and, and to understand what they mean in our lives. Are you having any serious fun in your life right now? In other words, are you working on the stuff that, that is a weakness for you spiritually? And are you also in a place in life where you can have people that you can be yourself with and have a little bit of fun? Um, any sermon lays it out there for you. Uh, if, you, if, if you think about what's just been said and say, yeah, I, I got to work on it, that's cool. And if, if you take time to think about what's just said and said, and, and you think to yourself, no, actually, I, I'm on top of it, that's, that's a good thing too. This is what we pray about and do each week. But as with our confirmation students, maybe the place to end is simply this. I hope that you have some serious fun this week.